0: Alpha and Omega, the story we find ourselves in. Chapter 3, The King Calls a People. As God began to implement the plan of rescue and redemption for humanity that he promised in Genesis 3.15, he chose one man, Abraham. As the story progresses, we will see this one man become a family that eventually develops into a nation. Abraham was the first patriarch of Israel, the father of all who have God-centered faith, and was called the friend of God. His family background was as a nomad living in a pagan land. We don't know when he or his family first encountered God Almighty, but when God called 75-year-old Abraham to leave all he had known to follow him to an unknown land, Abraham obeyed immediately. In that call, and a series of some conversations after this, God made a covenant promise to Abraham. The Abrahamic covenant was God's solemn promise of relationship with his people that included three key provisions, a seed or son who would grow into a global family, a land to possess, and God's blessing to spread to all nations. Genesis chapter 12 says it this way. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred to your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To Abraham, God promised a seed a son that would grow into a family that would outnumber the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky and become a nation from whom kings would come, a land that would be reserved for his people for an everlasting possession and a blessing, the experience of God's good and favor that would spread from them to bless all the nations on the earth. This covenant, like all treaties, was ratified by God as an act of grace and by the people through circumcision of the men and obedience of the people. It was reaffirmed to Abraham's son Isaac and his grandson Jacob and continued to define Israel's identity and life throughout their history as recorded in the Old Testament. There is a consistent emphasis on the seed, the land, and the blessing as the identity, life, mission, and hope of God's people. Now, that was a great promise, but there was one major problem. Abraham and his wife Sarah were both in their mid-70s and were childless. When God told them they were going to have a child, both of them laughed at different times for the wonder and impossibility of it. Abraham and Sarah entered a difficult time of waiting, but one thing was the dominant and defining mark of Abraham's life. Genesis 15.6 says, Abraham believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham did not just believe truths about God. He believed that who God was and what he had promised in the covenant was better than anything else in life. Throughout the scriptures, Abraham's kind of gladly submissive faith was held up as a model of the way people should relate to God. God was indeed faithful to his promise. And 25 years later, when Abraham and Sarah were nearly 100 years old, she finally conceived and miraculously gave birth to a son whom they named Isaac, which means he laughs. Isaac was the miracle son of the promise and the second patriarch of Israel. He grew up with Abraham's radical faith in God and experienced it firsthand at about the age of 12, the sacrifice of Isaac was a severe test of Abraham's faith and proof of his fear of the Lord. You see, God instructed Abraham to take his only son, that miracle boy, and offer him on Mount Moriah as a worship sacrifice of submission to God. Abraham obeyed immediately. He made all the preparations for the sacrifice and journeyed three days to the mountain. When they arrived and began making their way up the mountain, Isaac carried the wood and Abraham the knife and the fire. Isaac asked, I see the wood and the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And his father replied in what had to be a choked whisper. God will provide for himself a lamb, my son. They built the altar out of stones and placed the wood on it. Abraham then strapped Isaac down, which meant that Isaac trusted his father in a remarkable way. Raised the knife and was in the act of sacrifice when God stopped him. Abraham released Isaac, and a ram caught by the horns in a thicket became the substitute sacrifice as they worshiped God together. After God saw Abraham's unreserved fear of and faith in God, he reaffirmed his covenant with Abraham. Abraham and Isaac walked down the mountain together, and Isaac continued to live. This is a clear promise of the picture of the promise of Jesus as Savior. Centuries later, a hillside of this same Mount Moriah would be called Golgotha. Sinners like us, like thieves condemned to death, would make our way up the mountain, carrying the wood of our cross. And when the knife of God's holy demand was raised, God himself intervened. A perfect lamb named Jesus was provided. Nailed to the wood of the cross, and died in the place of guilty sinners so that we could go free and live. After Isaac became an adult, he married Rebekah. They had twin sons, Esau and Jacob. By this time, Abraham had died, and God reaffirmed to Isaac the covenant of Abraham the family, the land, and the blessing. In his old age, Isaac blessed his younger son Jacob ahead of his older, setting in motion a whole series of consequences for both of them. Isaac then faded from the scene until his death. Jacob was the third patriarch of Israel and father of 12 sons who had become the 12 tribes of Israel. Born a twin to Esau, his name means deceiver or cheater, and his life confirms that along with God's mercy to him. Jacob was a mama's boy, more content to hang in the tents than to roam in the wild, like Esau. With his mother Rebekah's help, Isaac tricked aged Isaac into giving him the father's final blessing that should have gone to his older brother Esau. When it became clear that Esau's threats to murder him over this deception were not just words, Jacob ran away to his mother's family. On the way, He had a vision of a ladder reaching to heaven. And right then, God confirmed the Abrahamic covenant to him. In spite of his shady and manipulative character, God promised Jacob what he had promised Abraham. A family, a land, and a blessing. It was all grace. While staying with his uncle, Jacob met and married the love of his life, Rachel. But in the process, he was tricked by his uncle, into also marrying her older sister, Leah. Since that's not God's plan for marriage, this was one of the more oddly dysfunctional families in the Bible. In those years, the family had 12 sons, one daughter, and a world of conflict and difficulty. After two decades there, Jacob and his entire family returned back home. On the way, Jacob wrestled with God. See, he got word that Esau was heading toward him with 400 men, and even after all that time, Jacob was terrified. So he sent a series of gifts ahead to Esau and arranged to hide his family. Left alone, he wrestled with a man all night. This was either an angel or a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. In the course of their struggle, the man touched Jacob's hip and put it out of joint. His name and with it the family name of God's people was changed to Israel. In the midst of that struggle, the scripture says, he said, let me go for day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. From that day, Jacob had a different name and was physically marked with a limp to remind him how desperately he needed God. Later in his life, God affirmed with Jacob both the change of his name and the family's name to Israel and all the provisions of the Abrahamic covenant. Jacob's 12 sons became the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. Rachel died, and Israel lived with his boys in Canaan, where they worked as shepherds. As Jacob, known as Israel, raised his boys, Over time, it became apparent to everyone that Rachel's firstborn, Joseph, was his favorite son, whom God used to protect the nation of Israel from destruction by famine and preserve the advance of his redemptive plan through them. Israel gave Joseph a custom-made, long-sleeved robe of many colors. It's kind of hard to help much with the hard work with livestock in a designer robe. That favoritism caused intense jealousy among the other brothers. Their relationship got even worse when Joseph began to tell them about dreams he was having. Dreams of his ruling over the whole family and of them all bowing down to him. In time, the brothers sold him into slavery to a caravan of traders headed to Egypt and told Jacob that a wild animal had killed Joseph. But God's favor and blessing was on Joseph. Though enslaved as a house servant to an Egyptian military commander, he rose to manage the household. When falsely accused of sexual assault by that commander's wife, Joseph was imprisoned but soon put in charge of the operations of the prison by his jailers. Some of his fellow prisoners were servants of Pharaoh who saw Joseph's character firsthand and could have encouraged him to commute Joseph's sentence, but they forgot him after they were released. Sometime later, when Pharaoh had a troubling dream, one of the servants finally remembered Joseph's skill for interpreting dreams. By God's help, Joseph told Pharaoh that the dream was a warning for Egypt to prepare for a famine. Because of God's blessing, Joseph was seen as the one man in all Egypt, wise enough to prepare the nation for the coming disaster. He was elevated to a place of honor in Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh, and given authority over famine preparations and food distribution. Seven years later, the famine did come, and while the whole world was in crisis, Egypt was prepared with plenty of food. The famine spread to Canaan where Israel lived and put the entire family at risk. The brothers heard of the provisions in Egypt and traveled there to request aid. When they arrived, they had to bow before a leader. It was their own brother, Joseph, to request aid in order to survive. In that moment, Joseph's childhood dreams proved true. There was a beautiful reunion after Joseph messed with his brothers a little bit. In time, all Israel, Jacob and all the brothers, their wives and children, 70 persons in all, moved to Egypt. They settled in Goshen, the richest pastureland in all of Egypt, and built a life for their growing tribes. Just before he died, Jacob, Israel, blessed all his sons. The spoken blessing was a kind of prophecy especially as it concerned the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49:10 says, "The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples." This was a prophecy of the line of the Messiah who would come to deliver and to reign. God's blessing had raised Joseph from the hatred of his brothers, from indentured slavery and unjust imprisonment to a place of almost unequaled authority over the nation of Egypt. And because he was there, God's chosen people Israel were protected, and his plan of redemption was preserved and advanced through them. Joseph put it like this to his brothers. It's recorded in Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant to harm me, but God intended it for a good purpose, so he could preserve the lives of many people. As you see this day.